Poem of the Man God, Book 1, number 62, Jesus Prays at Night. I see Jesus coming out of Peter's house at Capernaum, making as little noise as possible. He obviously spent the night there to make Peter happy. It is the dead of the night. The sky is a starry canopy. The lake faintly reflects the glitter of the sky, and rather than see it, one guesses the peaceful lake is there, sleeping under the stars because of the gentle lapping of the water on the gravel shore. Jesus sets the door ajar, looks at the sky, the lake, and the road. He is thinking. Then he starts walking, not along the lake, but towards the village. He passes through part of it towards the country. He goes into the country along a little path that leads to the first undulations of an olive grove. He enters the green, silent peace and prostrates himself in prayer. A fervent prayer. He prays, kneeling down, and then, as if he were fortified, he stands up straight, his face raised to heaven, a face made more spiritual by the rising light of a clear summer dawn. He prays, smiling now, whereas before he was sighing, probably because of some moral grief. His arms are fully outstretched. He seems a living, tall, angelical cross, so gentle is his attitude. He seems to be blessing the whole country, the rising day, the fading stars, and the lake now becoming visible. Master, we have been looking for you all over. We saw the door ajar when we came back with the fish, and we thought you had gone out, but we could not find you. And at last, a peasant who was loading his baskets to take them to town told us we were calling Jesus, Jesus. And he said, are you looking for the rabbi who speaks to the crowds? He went up that path, up towards the mountain. He must be in Micah's olive grove because he often goes there. I have seen him there before. He was right. Why did you come out so early, master? Why did you not rest? Was the bed not comfortable? No, Peter. The bed was comfortable and the room was lovely. But I often do that, to raise my spirit and be united to the Father. Prayer is a strength for oneself and for others. We achieve everything by praying. If we do not receive a grace which the Father does not always grant, and we must not think it is due to lack of love. Instead, we must believe that it is the will of an order which governs the destiny of every man for a good purpose. Prayer certainly gives us peace and contentment to enable us to bear so many vexing things without going off the holy path. It is easy, you know, Peter, to have a clouded mind and an agitated heart because of what is around us, and how can a clouded mind or an agitated heart perceive God? It's true, but we do not know how to pray. We are not capable of saying the lovely words you say. Say the words you know as best you can. It is not the words, but the sentiments with which they are uttered that make your prayers pleasant to the Father. We would like to pray as you do. I will teach you also to pray. I will teach you the most holy prayer, but to prevent it from being only a void formula on your lips, I want your hearts to have at least a minimum of holiness, light, and wisdom. That is why I instruct you. Later, I will teach you the holy prayer. Why were you looking for me? Is there anything you want of me? No, Master, but there are many people who want so much from you. They were already people coming from Capernaum, and they were poor, sick, depressed people people of goodwill and anxious to be taught. When they inquired about you, we said, the master is tired and is sleeping. Go away and come back next Sabbath. No, Simon, you must not say that. There is not one day only for mercy, 
I am love, light, and health every day of the week. But so far you have spoken only on Sabbaths, because I was still unknown. But as I become known, every day there will be effusions of grace and graces. I tell you solemnly that the time will come when even the moment of time which is granted to a sparrow to rest on a branch and eat some little grains will not be granted to the Son of Man for his rest and meals. But you will be taken ill. We will not allow that. Your kindness must not make you unhappy. And do you think that could make me unhappy? Oh, if all the world came to me to listen to me, to bewail its sins and sorrow on my heart, to be healed in its bodies and souls, and I were worn out speaking and forgiving and pouring forth my power, I would be so happy, Peter, that I would not even regret heaven where I was in the Father. Where were they from, those who were coming to me? From Chorazim, Bethsaida, Capernaum, and there were some from even Tiberias and Gergesha, as well as from the hundreds of villages around those towns. Go and tell them that I will be at Chorasim, Peseda, and nearby villages. Why not at Capernaum? Because I came for everybody, and everybody must have me, and then there is old Isaac waiting for me. We must not disappoint his hopes. Will you wait for us here, then? No, I am going, and you will stay at Capernaum to send the crowds to me, I will come back later. We will be here alone, Peter is sad. Do not be sad. Obedience should make you happy as well as the conviction that you are a useful disciple. And the same applies to the others. Peter, Andrew, James, and John cheer up. Jesus blesses them and they part. And the vision ends thus. Home of the Man God, Book 1, Number 63, The Leper Cured Near Chorazim. Since before dawn, as in the detail of a perfect photograph, I see in my spirit a poor leper. He is really a wreck of a man. He is so ravaged by his disease that I could not tell his age. Reduced to a skeleton, half-naked, his body is in the state of a corroded mummy with contorted hands and feet, parts of which are missing so that the miserable limbs no longer seem to belong to a human being. His hands, twisted and clawed, resemble the talons of a winged monster. His feet are so fragmented and disfigured that they are almost like the hooves of an ox. And his head, I think that the head of anyone left unburied, which becomes mummified by sun and wind, must be like the head of this man. A few surviving forelocks, spread here and there, sticking to the yellowish, crusty skin, like dust dried on a skull, very deep-set eyes, half open, lips and nose half eaten by the disease and showing cartilage and gums, two embryonic wrecks of outer ears, all his visible body covered by a wrinkled skin, as yellow as some types of cowlin, with bones showing here and there. His skin seems to have the task of keeping all the poor bones together, in its filthy sack, all covered with ugly scars and putrid sores, a real wreck. I cannot help thinking of the personification of death, wandering on the earth, covered by a wrinkled skin on its skeleton, enveloped in a filthy mantle falling to bits and pieces, holding in its hand not a scythe, but a knotty stick torn from a tree. He is at the entrance of a remote cave, a real cave, 
in such a state of ruin that I cannot say whether it was originally a sepulchre or a hut for woodcutters or the remains of a demolished house. He is looking at the road, over one hundred meters away from his cave, a main road, dusty and still sunny. There is nobody on the road. As far as the eye can see, on the road, there are sunshine, dust, and solitude. Much higher up, to the northwest, there must be a village or a town. I can see the first houses. It must be at least a kilometer away. The, le the leper looks and sighs. He takes a chipped bowl and fills it at a brook. He drinks. He goes into a tangle of bushes behind his cave, bends down, and pulls some wild roots out of the ground. He goes back to the brook. He washes them, removing the coarser dirt with the little water of the rivulet, and he eats them slowly, taking them painfully to his mouth with his ruined hands. They must be as hard as sticks. He finds difficulty in chewing them, and he has to spit many out as he is unable to swallow them, notwithstanding the water he drinks to help himself. "'Where are you, Abel?' shouts someone. The leper rouses. He has something on his lips that might be a smile, but his lips are in such a bad state that even the outward sign of a smile is vague and shapeless. He replies with a strange, squeaky voice. It reminds me of the cry of certain birds, the exact name of which I do not know. "'I am here!' I did not believe you were coming any more. I thought something had happened to you. I was sad. If I lose you too, what will happen to poor Abel? While speaking, he walks towards the road as far as he can, according to the law, apparently because at half the way he stops. A man comes forward on the road. He is moving so fast that he seems to be running. Is that really you, Samuel? Oh, if it is not you I am waiting for... Whoever you may be, don't hurt me. It's me, Abel, it's me. And I am cured. Look how I can run. I am late, I know, and I was worried about you, but when you hear, oh, you will be happy. And I have with me not only the usual crusts of bread, but a whole loaf of good fresh bread. And it is all for you. And I have some good fish and some cheese. And it is all for you. I want you to rejoice, my poor friend, and thus get ready for a greater joy. But how have you become so rich? I do not understand. I will tell you. And cured, you do not seem the same man. Listen then. I heard that there was at Capernaum the rabbi, the, who is a holy man, and I went. Stop, stop, I am infected. Oh, it does not matter. I am no longer afraid of anything. The man who is indeed the cripple, cured and helped by Jesus with his fast step, has almost reached the leper and is only a few steps from him. He spoke while walking and smiling happily. But the leper says once again, In the name of God, stop. If anyone should see you, I will stop. Look, I am putting the provisions here. Eat while I speak to you. He puts a bundle on a large stone and opens it up. He then withdraws a few steps while the leper moves forward and throws himself on the rare food. Oh, how long it is since I had food like this. How good it is. And I was just thinking that I was going to rest with an empty stomach. Not one merciful soul today. Not even you. I had chewed some roots. Poor Abel. I was afraid of that. But I said, well, he may be sad now, but he will be happy after. Happy, yes, because of this good food. But after? No, 
you will be happy forever. The leper shakes his head. Listen, Abel, if you can have faith, you will be happy. But faith in whom? In the rabbi, in the rabbi who cured me. But I am a leper, and at this last stage, how can he cure me? Oh, he can, he is holy. Yes, also Elisha cured Naaman the leper. I, I know, but I, I cannot go to the Jordan. You will be cured without the need of any water. Listen, this rabbi is the Messiah. Do you understand? The Messiah, he is the son of God, and he cures everyone who has faith. He says, I want, and the demons flee. Limbs are straightened and blind eyes see. Oh, I would have faith. I would indeed. But how can I see the Messiah? Exactly. I have come just for that. He is often over there in that village. I know where he will be this evening. If you want. I said, I will tell Abel, and if Abel feels he can have faith, I will take him to the master. Are you mad, Samuel? If I go near houses, I will be stoned. Not near the houses. It will be soon getting dark. I will take you to that thicket, and then I will go and call the master. I will bring him to you. Go, go at once. I will go by myself to that place. I will walk in the ditch behind the hedge, but go, go, oh, go, my friend. If you only knew what it is to suffer from this disease and what it means to hope to be cured. The leper no longer is interested in the food. He cries and gesticulates, imploring his friend. I am going, and you will come. The cured cripple runs away. Abel, with difficulty, climbs down into the ditch, coasting the road, and it is full of bushes which have grown on the dry earth. Only in the center there is a fine stream of water. It is getting dark, and the poor man slides among the bushes, always on the lookout in case he should hear any steps. Twice he has to hide on the bottom. The first time when a man on horseback passes along the road, the second time when three men laden with hay pass by going to the village, and he goes on. But Jesus and Samuel reach the thicket before him. He will be here before long. He moves very slowly because of his wounds. Please be patient. I am not in a hurry, says Jesus. Will you cure him? Has he faith? Oh, he was dying of starvation. He saw that food after years of abstinence, and yet, after a few mouthfuls, he left it all to come here. How did you meet him? You know, I lived on charity after my misfortune, and I went along the roads from one place to another. I used to pass here every day, seven days, and I met the poor man. One day, when driven by hunger, he had come on the main road, looking for something under a most violent storm. He was searching amongst the garbage like a dog. I had a chunk of tri bread <clears throat> in my knapsack, the gift of some good people, and I shared it with him. We have been friends ever since, <clears throat> and I bring him some food every week. With what I have, if I have a lot, I can give a lot. If I have a little, I give a little. I do what I can as if you were my brother. Since you cured me, may you be blessed. I have been thinking of him and of you. You are good, Samuel. That is why you have been visited by grace. He who loves deserves everything from God. But there is something moving among the branches. Is that you, Abel? Yes, it is me. Come, the master is waiting for you here under the walnut tree. The leper 
rises from the ditch and climbs onto the bank, which he crosses and goes into the meadow. Jesus, leaning with his back against a very tall walnut tree, is waiting for him. Master, Messiah, Holy One, have mercy on me. And he throws himself onto the grass at Jesus' feet. With his face still bent down on the ground, he says, My Lord, if you want, you can cleanse me. He then dares to rise onto his knees. He stretches out his skeleton-like arms. With contorted hands, he lifts his emaciated, ruined face. Tears run down from his diseased eye sockets to his corroded lips. Jesus looks at him so pitifully. He looks at that shadow of a man, devoured by the terrible disease, who is so horrible and ill-smelling that only true charity can endure to be near him. And yet, Jesus stretches out his hand, his beautiful, wholesome right hand, to caress the poor fellow. The leper, without getting up, throws himself back on his heels and shouts, Don't touch me! Have mercy on me! But Jesus takes a step forward, stately, good, kind. He lays his fingers on the head, devoured by leprosy, and in a low voice which is so full of love and yet most authoritative, he says, I want it. Be cleansed. His hand remains on the poor head for a few minutes. Get up. Go to the priest. Fulfill the prescriptions of the law. And do not tell anyone what I did for you, but be good. Do not sin anymore. I bless you. Oh, Lord, Abel, you are completely cured. Samuel, seeing the complete change of his friend, shouts for joy. Yes, he is cured. He deserved it because of his faith. Goodbye. Peace be with you. Master, 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 I will not leave you. I cannot leave you. Do what the law prescribes. We will meet again. Once again, I bless you. Jesus goes away, nodding to Samuel to stay, and the two friends shed tears of joy, while in the light of a quarter of the moon they go back to the cave for the last rest in that den of misfortune. And the vision ends thus. 